Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian in training and health and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. I'm so excited you're back for our second episode of the new and improved Thoughts on Thriving podcast. Today, I'm really, really excited to share Sloan Elizabeth with you all. She is going to be our first guest on the podcast. She is a holistic wellness coach and food freedom expert specialized in helping women stop dieting, obsessing, restricting, and stressing over food so that they can experience food freedom. And we'll get more into that in the actual episode, but Sloan uses a unique and powerful combination of science and spirituality to help her clients eat with love and intuition. And we dive really deep on all these topics in the episode. Sloan is also a published author. She's been featured on Food Network, Betches, and Authority Magazine, and she was just such a delight to talk to. So I'm really excited to share her with you guys. And if you like this episode, make sure to rate the podcast, leave a nice review, share it with a friend, put it on your Instagram story. It would really help us out to spread the word of this show and get it into more people's ears. So thank you in advance for leaving a nice review, for sharing it with people. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Sloan. All right. Hi, Sloan. Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited for our conversation. Me too. So before we dig into everything, for those of us who aren't familiar with you, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Totally. So my name is Sloan Elizabeth, and I'm a holistic wellness coach and food freedom expert. So my main thing is that I help women heal from diet culture. So I help them eat with love and intuition. It's my own spin on intuitive eating, which means no restricting, no binging, no dieting, no shame or guilt so that women can really feel truly amazing in their bodies, feel really intuitive and alive aligned in their holistic well-being. And I combine science with spirituality to help my clients and my audience heal. So I'm mainly a coach, but I'm also an author, speaker. Um, I just launched my first merch. So I do like a lot of different things in this um, online space, content creation, etc. But the main message is eating, moving and living with love and intuition. Oh my gosh, I love it. That is also amazing. I can't wait to like dissect all of that because there's so many good things that you're doing in this world. But I imagine you didn't just like wake up one morning and have this amazing relationship with food and become a health and wellness coach, running your own business, like all of this stuff. So could you walk us through like your journey to where you are today, starting way back in the beginning? Like how'd you get to become this person? 
Yeah. So I feel like there's two pieces here. One is my relationship with food. And then the other is the entrepreneurial journey. Um, it is pretty unique. I've never had a boss. I've worked for myself um, forever, which is really cool. We, I know we were just talking about working from home and like, it's just my normal. And I actually take that for granted a lot. Like the fact that I can be so flexible. I go grocery shopping like on a random Wednesday just because I want to. Um, so I've always been very entrepreneurial. Like I have always been the boss. I started so many different little ventures and, you know, businesses in quotes, you can say when I was little and I had a baking business in high school. So I baked like the most divine gourmet cookies, brownies, blondies with like regular sugar, regular butter. So I had a totally great relationship with food and my body. Um, grew up in LA as you did. And um, my family, like we, we ate vegetables, we ate fruit, like really quite balanced. Um, my mom always had all the snacks in our pantry and like mine and my brother's friends would come over and binge like in our pantry, but we never did because it was just like there. It was normal. We had dessert every day, etc. Um, while I had my baking business in high school, I eventually started becoming really self-conscious of my body. And basically what happened is that I went through puberty pretty late and I was definitely just like a late bloomer. And so my body started changing way after everyone else has had. So I just thought, you know, when I was like 17, I thought that the way that my body looked then or like 16 was how it was gonna look forever. But now looking back at pictures, of course, I'm like that body, for example, could not have held a baby, you know, like that was not a mature woman's body, but I thought it was. So then when I was like 17, that's when my body actually really started changing. And I thought that there was something like horribly wrong. And so that's when my whole like orthorexia diet culture phase started. And I was baking at the same time. And so I felt this like really strange pull between wanting to like grow this baking business and then like not wanting to eat it, which was really bizarre. Um, and then I went to college and I stopped the baking business because I, I didn't know how to do shipping and whatever, but that venture closed down. But I knew that I could run my own business. I knew I could make money and be profitable from like day one because I'd already done it before on like a really tiny scale. So I went to college. I didn't know what I wanted to study, but I started out as pre-med because I knew that I really liked science and I took the one nutrition class that we had during my sophomore year, I think. And after the first class, I met with the professor and I was like, oh, I wanna do this. <laughs> like, this is what I wanna do. I wanna do food and nutrition. I didn't know what a dietitian was. I didn't know what a nutritionist was. Like, I had no idea that that was actually a career choice. Um, at the same time, I was still struggling with my relationship with food. And then we can fast forward through college, like now this is what I do. And so the way that that happened was that I healed my relationship with food through all of the, like so much material I was learning, of course, like as a pre-med student in terms of like how the body actually works, but that wasn't enough. And this is something I talk about a lot. It's not enough to logically know what to do or what's going on. You have to like internalize it and believe it in your soul. And there's a lot of deep healing there. I was always a control freak. I wanted to control everything. And of course that was the root of my issues with food. And so I stumbled upon, I don't remember how, but one of Gabby Bernstein's books. And that was like my introduction to 
kind of like modern spirituality. I'd always, as a child, been really in touch with like my angels and signs. And I was obsessed with the show, The Long Island Medium. Like I loved ghost things, even though it still scared me, but I had this like really strange fascination. Like I watched every single episode of that show. I would like to know <laughs> it. So weird. Um, and then I was like, I don't know, I was in college. I felt like I could, you know, get a quote self-help book and I wasn't like ashamed of it. Whereas when I was younger, I would always love doing like those quizzes, you know, personality quizzes. Um, and so I feel like I, I always had that urge to like know more about myself and like horoscope, whatever. But there was kind of like a taboo of like actually looking to better yourself, right? Because like if you were trying to better yourself, then there was probably something, something wrong with you that needed to be improved. Anyway, when I dove into spirituality and I realized what what is, I realized what manifestation was and intuition, I was like, oh, 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 okay, yes, this is it. This is everything. So really that's how I ended up healing my relationship with food and body and like everything was when both came together, the science and the spirituality. Um, and then when I graduated, I knew I was going to work for myself. I had already started health coaching and I already had an Instagram. And then it was a pretty natural. Once I had a few, I had a few business, not mistakes, but like things I tried that weren't aligned. And then it was like, oh, duh, like let's help people with food, not just recipes, but actually their relationship with food. Um, and that was like two and a half years ago. And now here we are. That was a really long story. <laughs> no, that was amazing. That's so cool because I, first of all, I see so many weird similarities between you and I. Like I went to college as pre-med. I thought I was going to become a doctor. I went in as a nutrition major, but like a pre-med nutrition major. Okay. And then I switched to dietetics and was like, no, I'm going to become a dietitian. Became way more obsessed with nutrition than I already was. And I also am obsessed with Gabby Bernstein. And when I found her work, it just felt like, you know, like a click. Yeah. Because she kind of, she has a gift of like making it really tangible yes. to like become a more evolved, spiritually in tune person that I don't think a lot of the other spiritual leaders or spiritual mm -hmm. authors have. So I love that that was your introduction to spirituality as well, because she makes it really easy and really, really digestible. Which I, I think agree. Is important. Yeah. I always recommend her books to people that like want to start diving in. Cause I feel like it's, you're totally right. It's very approachable, I think, and not complicated. Totally. And I also had some like control issues growing up in my teens that led to not the best relationship with food. And I don't think, like, I think I thought I was fully healed before I actually was fully healed until I found the spiritual side of things. Cause sure you can heal the physical part of it and like gain weight back if you lost too much weight or, you know, whatever you need to do, stop binging. If that's the way you're going, like whatever route that you take, I know so many women deal with this in so many different ways and we can get into that, but I don't think it fully is able to like come to the surface and be released from you until you like give it over to a higher power and just like learn the intuition part and the intuition piece that you talk about. So I love that. What, what just out of curiosity, which Gabby Bernstein book was it that you It was The with? Universe Has Your Back. Oh, okay. I love that one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. If anyone's like 
if this like conversation is piquing your interest and you want to start reading Gabby Renzine, I would definitely, I would definitely say to start with that one. Agreed. Yeah, that one's a great one. And then read Super Attractor because that one's really good too. <laughs> yeah, I she actually had a – I went to like a Super Attractor book event or book oh, tour fun. like event in LA. Uh-huh. Um, Did you meet and her? I'm not like personally, but right, right. <laughs> I was there listening. It was a really, really cool event and That's I so did cool. read that book and I loved it too. Yeah, she's great. So with that spirituality piece, how exactly – well, first of all, before we dive into like how you use it, you mentioned manifestation for mm-hmm. someone who's not really like familiar with that term or with that f- idea of manifestation. Yeah. I know it can sound a little out there. Could you just kind of break that down and how you use it with your clients for us? Mm-hmm. So manifesting is something that we are always all doing. It's just for most people, it's not conscious. But when you think about manifesting, maybe in the way that you see it on like social media these days, we're talking about conscious manifesting, conscious co-creating with the universe. So basically manifesting is having an intention, a goal, an outcome that you desire and attracting it into your life through a combination of energy, intention, thought, and action. It's not just about sitting on the couch and like hoping it will come, but it's a combination of all of these things so that you're creating your reality along with the universe instead of just push, 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 do, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. That's like a very, you know, solo, me, in control sort of approach as opposed to surrendering part of it to the universe saying, okay, I can control this. I can be in charge of this universe. I'm going to let you be in charge of this one and then allowing it to come in, being open to receiving, which has to do a lot with like self-love and self-worth. So when I use manifestation with my clients, when we're trying to help them have food freedom, there's two ways that I use it. One is teaching them how to manifest anything and then saying, okay, well, you could manifest food freedom like just through that way. Um, And I think that there's like a pretty agreed upon system for like how to manifest. I think, of course, people teach it in slightly nuanced ways, but you know, law of attraction, it's a lot, it's there. So that's the first piece. The second piece, which is, I would say the main way that I use it is really taking principles from law of attraction and applying it to food and body because everything is energy. And so if you're trying to manifest $100, money is energy. And if you're trying to manifest um, maybe easier digestion, like your entire body is just energy. So everything is energy. Everything can relate to each other. If you can manifest one thing, you can manifest another. So it's really about like what I said, if if you want to receive amazing manifestations, you have to feel worthy of it. Okay, well, if you want to eat cake without feeling guilty, you have to feel worthy of enjoying that delicious food. Same principle, slightly different scenario. Um, Abundance and lack, those are very important energies to understand when you're talking about manifestation and law of attraction. Lack is this feeling that there's not enough. It's very like scarce. Abundance is I'm overflowing. There's more than enough. There's nothing to worry about. And when we're looking at restricting and binging, like it's all lack. And when we're looking at food freedom, it's all abundance. So that's another way that we use 
principles from law of attraction and manifestation in my coaching programs like the Food Freedom Collective to help people actually experience this relief, this peace, and this confidence. So those are kind of the two ways. And as I mentioned, really the philosophies, the theories, that's the primary way that I help my clients heal on that front. Oh my gosh. Amazing. So many good nuggets in there. So I love what you said about the action piece, because I think in a lot of the whole world of law of attraction and all of that stuff, people might be like, they might think that they could just sit there and visualize and meditate all day. And like things will come to them if they just match the frequency of the person who wants to, or who deserves these things and who feels worthy of these things. But you also have to take action and you also have to go out in the world and do things. So I love that you said that because I think that can get lost in all of those, all of those works and books and all that stuff. So I love that. But my question is, are all of your clients open to this spiritual side of things? Because I could see there being some resistance if someone comes to you because they want to heal their relationship with food or they want to, you know, become healthier. And then you're just like throwing some spiritual stuff at them. If they're (laughs) not open to it, that might not be a match. So yeah, do you find that you attract the people who are into this stuff or you get them to be into this stuff? So there are, thankfully, thousands, maybe millions of people who can help you heal your relationship with food. Um, I haven't really met anyone else that's doing things the way I do it with science and spirituality. Therefore, people who are spiritual seek me out because I'm the expert in this field. And so I think that it's partly me attracting soulmate clients who are meant to be in my sphere and they are so excited that they have found someone that really truly aligns with them, which just makes my heart so happy. Um, If someone is like really against it, then yeah, they're not going to be the right fit, which is completely fine. There's someone else that will be a good fit for them. But I do have like a really quite large amount of people who come to me and they're like, I don't know anything about spirituality necessarily, but like I want to, and I feel called to that. And that makes a lot of sense to me because the way that I teach this, it's not about crystals and tarot cards and the moon, which I love participating in all those things. (laughs) It's more about the fact that like you and I and everyone listening, we are spirits having human experiences. So it's not really an option to not be into spirituality. That's kind of my perception here. So as long as you can agree with me that like you're a spirit in a human body, then we're going to get along just fine. I don't care if you're not a believer of like your angels and your spirit guides. That's totally fine with me. If you are more religious and you prefer to use the word God instead of universe, totally fine with me. But really, that's why I believe that this work and this modality of healing is actually a fit for every single human because we are all spirits. And that's what I'm talking about. And it's less about like the woo-woo stuff or totally. the that are labeled woo-woo. Right. Because we all come from the same place and it is that whatever you want to call it, God, universe, it's all the same thing. So even if someone identifies as religious or even if they're an atheist, like we can all agree that we all came from the same place. Like that doesn't really sound that out there. So exactly. And so how do you get your clients exactly into that energy of abundance when you're working with them on this 
on the spiritual side of things, because it's so hard when you're programmed your entire life to be in a lack mindset, especially if you have parents who are in a lack mm-hmm. mindset and that's what you were ingrained with growing up. Like how do you spark that shift in people? Yeah. So the first thing that I would suggest is instead of just jumping from lack to abundance or fear to love, like, can we just find neutrality, Mm. you know? And I don't even mean acceptance. Acceptance is like a positive energy. Neutrality is just like, it is what it is, right? So let's say cellulite, okay? You are struggling with your body image and you want to go from like, feeling like cellulite is gross and disgusting and ugly to completely loving your body so much. Okay, well, that's going to take some work to get there, right? To climb that ladder. So instead of saying, oh, cellulite is beautiful and normal, what if we just say what it is? So cellulite is like a ripple effect on the skin. It's not good or bad. That's just what it is, right? And it happens because of the way that female fat lays on top of female muscle tissue. That's why men don't have cellulite. That's just what it is. Right. It's the definition of cellulite. (laughs) Exactly. So what if it's just, okay, I have cellulite. Right. And it's a ripple thing and it looks this way and it's when fat lays on top of muscle in a female body. Right. And, and my genetics make me more like some, it's so genetic too. So it's like, why are we judging that? (laughs) Exactly. So then once you're in that neutral zone, you are hopefully getting out of the lack zone and then you can start making your way to abundance. Like, okay, well, I appreciate that. Like I have thighs because life would be harder if I did not have thighs, right? Mm -hmm. And then once you're appreciating, then maybe you're grateful. Okay, I'm grateful that my thighs allow me to sit, to walk, to live life the way that I live it. Okay, now that you're in gratitude, that's abundance. So it doesn't have to be like you're obsessed with the way that your thighs look aesthetically Mm -hmm. and like you love your thighs 100%. It doesn't have to be that. But if we can go to neutral and then acceptance and then appreciation and gratitude, then you're well on your way to abundance. I imagine like a ladder when you're talking about that concept, because it's like, you're not just going to jump up from the bottom of a ladder to the top. It's like, you're making your way up slowly. And that's kind of what it's like with your relationship with your body. And the gratitude piece is so important too, because our bodies are not made for aesthetic purposes. And I think we can forget that in the culture of our society today. And our bodies do things for us that would be really hard without these different parts of our bodies. So Mm -hmm. just jumping back into that appreciation mindset with our bodies, like, thank you for allowing me to walk. Thank you for allowing me to move my, you know, backpack from this spot to another, like whatever your body is allowing you to do that day, just like sitting in gratitude and appreciation for it. That's such a good way to get out of that lack mindset. So that's amazing. I kind of want to switch into the food freedom side of things because we've been kind of talking about it, but before we get more into all that body image stuff, I kind of want to talk about what is food freedom for someone who it sounds like a buzzword kind of (laughs) for someone who isn't familiar. So what does food freedom mean to you? Yeah. So food freedom means that you have the freedom 
in your mind, in your body, and in your world. So like access also to eat what you want holistically. So what your body wants, what your mind wants, and what your heart wants freely, confidently, with love, no restrictions, no diets, no barriers to access. So that's what food freedom means to me. And then what it looks like in a 3D application is really like no fear, no guilt, no stress, no diets. It's just so much more easy. It feels normal. It feels free. So you are free to eat the pancakes. You're free to eat the cupcakes, but you don't have to eat cupcakes for breakfast just because you can. Um, So that's what it means generally in my world. So kind of like a kid before they grew up and learned all these rules about food. It's like being that kid again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say though that I have worked with women who like they have a memory of not necessarily disordered eating, but just like fear or guilt or stress as early as like four years old. Oh my God. So it really can be passed down generation to generation. Um, and you know, if your parents are dieting, like you learn that from you know, in the womb probably. So for some people, yes, it's like childhood, but for some people, it feels like they've been in that place their actual entire lives. Wow. That's crazy. Four years old. That's so young. And it's like, you don't even know that what you're doing as a parent is affecting your kid at that age, but like they pick up on everything. Yeah. So out of all your clients who all come with you with this unhealthy relationship with food. They want to fix it. Is there like a commonality between all of them that brings them to you? Is there a common experience that they've gone through? I mean, I feel like there are broad similar pain points and there are a lot of similar desires, um, but everyone's experience is different. So there are some people that are restricting and binging, some that are just restricting, some that are just binging, some that are like stress eating, boredom eating, emotional eating, Um, body image is almost always there also. And then everyone just wants to be free of that. Um, When I ask them like, okay, what do you even want? I find that most people tell me what they don't want. Um, And then like, okay, yes, love that for you. But tell me what you do want. And this is another (laughs) example of like lack and abundance that we're trained to say, okay, well, I don't want that. None of that, none of that, which is helpful and clarifying. But we also want to focus on what you do want because what you focus on grows. So I would say the common results that people want are just to feel like easy again, feel free, feel normal, and be able to think about other things besides food. So that food is just like not a big deal ultimately. So do you ever find yourself having to like step into the role of therapist sometimes? Because I feel like it's so psychological that sure you're a health and wellness coach, but I feel like this bleeds into so many other areas like your client's mental health their psychological health so do you have any boundaries with that because it is so psychological or do you kind of step into that role I mean boundaries like yeah I know what I'm capable of handling and I know when to recommend a client to go see a different health professional Mm -hmm. um I always 
say like you're more than welcome to share anything and everything with me and I will do my best and if I can't then like I'm not gonna do harm like I will recommend them out a lot of my clients also work with therapists at the same time like general therapists and then but a lot of those therapists like they are not specialized in food freedom or disordered eating um most of them have not also studied nutrition so they don't have that component and most of them aren't spiritual so it's just like not going to be the same experience but I love the opportunity to be a part of like someone's whole team which is awesome So a lot of them do have therapists at the same time, maybe like half, I would say. Got it. And you said a lot of your clients or almost all of them deal with body image issues. What sort of tools or tips do you have for someone just realizing that they have body image issues? Like how can, how can we help ourselves rid ourselves from these, these diet culture ideals that are put into our heads at such a young age? I know. So similar to what I was talking about with that ladder that you kind of picked up on also like it's not just about jumping from feeling like maybe self-hatred or like disgust or guilt all the way to love and total confidence i'm not really a fan of faking it till you make it i think that it's a band-aid and eventually the deeper roots of the stuff is gonna come out again so the way that i do all of my healing whether it's around food or body image is in this like three-tiered pyramid of healing so on the bottom level, we have the subconscious mind. This is where we start. This is why it's it's really quite difficult to do this work on your own 100% because you're not conscious of what your subconscious mind is thinking and believing. Um, so that's where we actually start. And so that means getting into your beliefs around like what it means to be beautiful, what it means to have like a quote, good body, what it means to be healthy, but also it is a lot of stuff that doesn't have to do with food or body image. So your relationship with anxiety, stress, control, fear, perfectionism, worthiness. Um, that's really where we start. That's that's the meat of it. Um, and so we have to understand, like, who taught you that beauty looked a certain way? And why do you believe them, but you don't believe body positive people, right? Like, why do those people have the power? Um, why do you believe that? And is that actually true? Um, If it's not true, okay, then like what is true and how can we help you start actually believing that new truth? That gets into the second tier, which is the conscious mind. So this is really what we were saying, like transforming the lack into abundance. And then the third tier is aligned action. So that means like actually living your life, taking action, the movement you're choosing, the food you're choosing, the clothes you're choosing. And that's where most people start and stay with like action. And they just try to do all the tips and they do all the things, but they don't actually get into the roots. So that's why the pyramid is designed that way. Um, so that's the that's the process that I take people through so that they actually are dealing with the deeper stuff and not just looking in the mirror every day and telling themselves that they're beautiful and like hoping the affirmation will rub off on them. That's so cool. That's awesome. And I love the piece where you said that like you're telling your clients to ask themselves, is it true? Because there's so many thoughts that we have in a day. I think it's 60,000 or something. And they're not all true, obviously, but we forget that. And then we think that our thoughts are us and they're just like the cold, hard truth. And then that's what gets us into trouble. So that's such a good tangible tip for anyone, even just listening to this. 
if this is something that you're going through, if, or if, I mean, I think so many, I think all women go through some sort of body image, food issues yeah. at some point in their lives. And so just kind of reeling it back in and asking yourself if the thoughts you're even thinking are true is so simple, but also really hard to do, but really yeah. important. So what do you do? I feel like this could be tricky because what if someone comes to you and, you know, they know you're a health and wellness coach and they want to lose weight, but they want to do it in a positive way. Is that something you even do with your clients? So I am not anti-weight loss, which a lot of intuitive eating practitioners are. Yeah. But it's not my place to shame anyone for- wanting to modify their bodies, but I do want to make sure that they're doing it for the right reason. And my primary goal will always be healing your relationship with food. My belief is that apart from like metabolic illnesses or like medical imbalances or thyroid issues, um, if you are healthy in all of those areas, and you are eating with love and intuition the way that I teach my clients, then your body will settle within its ideal set range. And if you don't like your set range, then I can help you to accept your body and love your body, but I'm not going to help you get outside of that set range because you're going to be restricting forever. Mm. So I do have a lot of people that come to me. They feel like they want to lose weight. They feel like they can lose weight because they've seen that their weight gain was stemming from binging or from stress eating and emotional eating. So I'm like, okay, fine. But can you agree that you're going to heal your relationship with food first? That's going to be your primary goal. And then let's see what happens with your weight. But can we put that on the back burner for now? If they say yes, then I'm happy to work with them. If they say no, then it's not a good fit because I'm not willing to compromise that and just focus on weight loss. Um, Gentle nutrition is a part of all of my programs, like helping people, you know, learn about macros and like why are vegetables awesome and like what's fiber and what's the difference between like you know quick carbs and like more fibrous slow carbs that's important empowering knowledge to have so you can take that and then if you are really binge eating a lot if you're not following your hunger cues and you stop doing that then you might release some weight but you might not And so that's where the body acceptance and the body love comes in as well. Got it. So it's not like you're ever going to help someone have their main focus be weight loss, but it'll definitely, it could be a side effect of all the work you're doing with food and with the body. And on the more movement side of things, I know you're a yoga teacher and I just kind of want to talk about movement with intuition. I know that you kind of help women with the food piece, but do you also help them learn how to move with intuition? Because over exercising is such a common thing. People exercise so much to lose weight and it's just not healthy. So completely. And this is a really big, important piece for all of my clients who have got their periods back through Food Freedom Collective, which always just like makes me cry literally. Oh, like this is such 
a beautiful sign that your body is feeling safe again. And when you're doing a lot of cardio or just a lot of hit, like a lot of extreme workouts, too many workouts, um, your body's just in like chronic stress and it, you can lose your period. Um, so yes, because I help my clients learn how to tap into their intuition with everything in life. So your intuition can help you make food decisions, but that's like when you get to this place, like your food decisions are so inconsequential and it's like so not a big deal. But there are other big deals in life, like career things or relationship things that your intuition can help you with. Um, and so if you know how to activate and trust your intuition and communicate with it with food, then you can also do that with movement. So this also gets into like hormones and cycle syncing or cycle tracking and just listening to your body, understanding what it wants, and then actually implementing it. And the type of movement that you choose to do in a day should absolutely be um, determined by all the signs and the signals and the cues that you're getting from your body. So absolutely. I would say that's a really important piece of like the entire holistic wellness picture. Right. Cause moving our bodies isn't inherently unhealthy. It's actually very healthy, but people take it to an unhealthy extent and then kind of form that negative relationship with it, just like food, the same exact thing. So that's awesome that you're helping women not only use their intuition for food, but for other things. How exactly do we activate our intuition? Cause there's so many people who are like, like, I just don't feel like I'm intuitive. I like, they don't get that. There's like a voice inside there. They're like, what voice, (laughs) what intuition, (laughs) what are you talking about? And I feel like it's because of all the, the noise outside of us, but how do we kind of clear that noise and listen to ourselves? So it's hard to describe intuition in English words because it's so energetic that there just aren't enough complex, nuanced words to like Mm -hmm. fully depict it. But I would say that your intuition is your inner compass. It is absolutely divine. So it's a part of like your spirit. It's a part of your soul. And I actually break up intuition into three pieces. I say it's wisdom from a variety of places. So this more like divine, you know, spiritual intuition, that's one part of it. But then you also have logical intuition. Like you just know things, right, from information. That is intuition as well. And then you have body intuition. So like body cues, Mm. right, and like how you're feeling. But Mm. let's say that you're sick. You have a cold. Your body is not hungry because you just like don't feel good. Right. If you're just listening to that cue and you think that your intuition is just what your body is saying, then you're not going to eat all day. Now, that's not super aligned or loving. If you just listen to your logical intuition, it says, Sloan, even though you're sick, you have to eat. You have to eat. You have to eat three times a day and you have to just have your normal meals. That may feel forced and not nuanced enough, not personalized enough for that unique situation, situation that day. And then your spiritual intuition is kind of like, I think of it as my fairy godmother. Like she just mm-hmm. knows, you know? Mm-hmm. And so maybe on that sick day, your spiritual intuition and, you know, all the intuitions come together and say, okay, you do need to eat even though you're not hungry, but because you're not feeling great, because you're not hungry, let's have something light. Let's have something easy to digest. Let's have something that feels comforting. 
And maybe that is soup or maybe it's something else, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's ice cream. Um, <laughs> so your intuition is multidimensional and tapping into it absolutely requires trust because you're right you have to cancel out the noise and find your own inner truth and trust that truth, which takes time. And that's like the entire point of what I do with my clients. So there's not just like five tips to activate your intuition. There's baby steps that you can take, but know that, yeah, everybody has one. Um, I would say that there are some people that are like naturally more intuitive than others, but I think that everyone can learn how to deepen their intuition by following the nudges and just trying to do things a little bit quicker, like without second guessing yourself. Mm. Yeah, because the first the first decision we normally like think of or the the first like when you're taking a test and you you go back and change your answer because you think it's wrong, but you were actually right in the first place because your gut was right. It's kind of like that. Yes, exactly. And I would say it's partly your gut, but I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. Yeah. Um, I love you know, the way you described it with the three different types of intuition. There's outer wisdom that we can take from the world around us and what we're lear- like learning in school and from things like this, podcasts. But then there's also that inner wisdom and combining the two is where that sweet spot hits is what I'm yeah, getting. Yeah. Totally. And then your body wisdom also. So I would say right. it's those three pieces. Right. And with the body wisdom, I feel like what you said about trust is really important because some people don't really have those cues yet. But then like once you start to activate little pieces of it, I just had a subconscious healer or subconscious specialist on um, the podcast. I don't know if her episode is going to come out before yours or after, but either way, she was kind of talking about this where, you know, make little decisions Mm -hmm. based on this trust and like write down if that decision felt good or if it like felt like the right one. And then that way you'll be able to see like, was I actually listening to my intuition or was that not my intuition? And then that's how you kind of build that muscle. And I love that because that's a really doable thing that we can all do every day and like track. It's kind of like intuition tracking, which I love. (laughs) Totally. I like that too. And I also agree, like start with small things because as I said, like eventually your food decisions will feel pretty inconsequential and that will be a small thing. But right now that might feel like a really big decision to make. Mm -hmm. So what's something smaller, maybe like, even the shoes that you wear, right? Like I did not listen to my intuition yesterday when it was slushy (laughs) post snowstorm. And I just, I don't know, I'm not from the snow and it had snowed (laughs) the day before and we were going out again, like walking. And I said to my boyfriend, like, cause he had gone outside already. I was like, is, is there still snow on the ground? And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay, but like as bad as yesterday, he's like, I mean, no, but like, it's still there. And I wore like sneakers when I should have worn boots. Oh no. Yeah. And I just, (laughs) I didn't give myself time to just like check in even for like three seconds, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes people think that like checking in with your intuition or using your intuition is going to take so much time and that's not it. But like you do have to make room for more pauses and just like quick gut checks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am perpetually late and rushing. So that's something Me that I <laughs> to make sure that I'm like tapping in and checking in. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had wisdom from the outside from him that was like, yeah, there is still snow on the ground, 
But then there was just some slight disconnect <laughs> between like reality and what I thought I wanted my outfit to look like. And I just like knew that I was putting on the wrong shoes, but I did it anyway. And it was kind of a struggle to walk. Um, so that's an example of when it doesn't happen, but that's an example of like a t like it wasn't that like it didn't matter that much. Right. I didn't follow my intuition on that day, but it was just a reminder, like, okay, check in. Like your intuition's there, use it. So with your outfit, turning left or right, do you want to text a friend to like check in, to have plans? Which restaurant are you going to go to? Tiny things that don't really matter that much. That's how you can start practicing using your intuition and seeing when things feel like, ooh, that was really aligned. That was really synchronized more so than if I hadn't taken a few moments to like intentionally use my intuition to make this decision. Yeah. And those are such low risk ways to do it. Like exactly. if you make the wrong quote unquote wrong decision, not that there is a right or wrong, but there's a better, mm. more aligned decision and a less aligned. And if you make the wrong decision, like it's not like everything's going to fall apart in your life. Right. So that's a really good low risk way to do it. Yeah. I'd love to switch gears a bit and talk a little bit more about you and just your incredible success at such a young age. You know, you're living in New York, running this successful business, and you have so many clients who you're helping so much. And I also believe you're in grad school, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you balance all of it? <laughs> I'm, I'm asking this selfishly because <laughs> I really would love to know. Yeah. Okay. I actually don't like the word balance in like any arena of life, because if you think about what balance actually is, like a balance is a scale mm -hmm. when like two sides of the scale are at the same point, mm -hmm. AKA perfection. Yes. And it's because I Googled <laughs> this because I, I use this. I was like, I know balance isn't right. What's the actual like definition? Um, It's also like a perfect proportion. So like 80, 20 rule. Uh-huh. That could be considered balance, um, but it's a rule, right? Like what happens if you're at like 75, 25? Technically, you're no longer balanced, whatever. So with work and life, I mean, I like there's no work-life balance because it's there. it blends into each other because I choose to have a personal brand as a business. Right. I think it would be slightly different if I had like – Sloan Elizabeth as something that was maybe more like low key. And then I had, or just like literally my personal private accounts and then like a different brand that wasn't my name and wasn't like as focused on me. Um, but that's not the case. <laughs> so I am in school. Um, I run my own business. I have an assistant. So like that is so helpful. I actually could not do everything alone and I don't do everything alone. She helps me a lot. Um, and I really am continuously like playing around with my schedule, honestly, because it is flexible. And I'll have months where I feel really good in my schedule and then months where I'm like, eh, this doesn't feel as aligned. This is a little bit too hustle, a little bit too go, go, go. Um, I'm definitely more naturally in my masculine energy. And so I just had a Reiki session with like one of my best friends a few days ago and she told me what literally everyone has told me, which is like, pause more <laughs> and like, slow down and tap into your feminine energy more, which is like 
not my natural inclination, but I know that that's when like the best manifesting and co-creating happens. So I'm absolutely in a phase right now of like trying to hone in on my ideal schedule, but my Google calendar is my best friend. It is (laughs) super color coded and organized. Um, I am in school part-time and it's very part-time because like there's zero chance I would be able to run the business that I run while also doing school. Um, yeah. So I would say like, if you're doing this, like hire help as soon as you can, or even just start with like an intern. Um, you can also just hire people to do like one-off tasks for you, um, on like Fiverr or Upwork. So I have people help me with like kind of web design things. Um, I also have almost always had a business coach and that's definitely one way that I've been able to like scale my business so fast is with mentorship. Um, I'm a coach. I encourage people to invest in themselves with me. And so I'm always investing in myself with high level mentors and coaches. And then I learn so much faster and I'm able to like use their systems and it takes out a lot of the guesswork. So I think that also helps me like save time and stay productive by like using their templates um, or like their systems really. And so that's been a huge help always. Um, and I, I really do think though that like it's so cheesy, but prioritizing self-care is absolutely essential and Otherwise, you're just going to be burnt out and then you're not going to be as effective or efficient or productive. So resting is so key so that when you are working, you're like actually on and doing it. So yeah, it's a work in progress. Totally. I totally hear you on that because the rest piece is so important, but then we let other things get in the way of that because I'm the same way. I'm so... I can be very like type A and like in my masculine a lot, working a lot, pushing, forcing, doing, doing, doing. It's just like, no, we need to like chill, relax, be in our feminine and allow things to come to us and rest ourselves so that we can show up a hundred percent when we do show up. Totally. Totally. Like way easier said than done. I know. I try, I'm always trying not to work after dinner. Like that's always Mm. a goal of mine. It does not always happen, but that's a boundary. Um, I got way better about not really working so much on the weekends, um, unless I feel really inspired to, but that's something that I implemented during COVID because there were no social plans, right? There was like nothing to do in the beginning. So the only thing I wanted to do or could do was work, but then I was working seven days a week. And so that wasn't great. So I allowed myself to like be bored, um, which is very difficult for me. So even now I do like one of my coaching calls on Sunday mornings, which I love. And that's amazing. And then on Sunday evenings, I might do some like just busy work, planning, organizing, which I really like doing. So that's fine. Saturdays, I might post on Instagram or TikTok like once or twice, but I try to let that be it. So I would say setting those boundaries and sticking to them is also key or else you will be working actually 24-7. Yeah, and that's important. Like that goes for anyone working from home right now, whether you work for yourself or not. I feel like it's just in this day and age so easy to just be working all the time, whether you have a boss or not. So those are really good tips. And 
do you have a morning routine oh, yeah. to <laughs> set you up for a positive day? I'd oh, love to hear of it. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, but so my morning routine is something that I love so much. And sometimes I go through phases of ignoring it and it's not good. And so I need to like reprioritize it. Um, I've also been having like a weird sleep schedule situation, especially since I moved to New York, which I'm still trying to figure out. So like this morning, I realized while we were talking, like I I did not journal. And so I want to do that as soon as we get off. Um, But I try to do a few activities. It doesn't have to be all of these. Clearly this morning it was not, but I always stretch in the morning. It just feels so good to like wake my body up and just like loosen my muscles. And then I'll do a meditation, typically self-guided. There are some meditations, like I have Gabby Bernstein meditations that sometimes I'll like go through. And then after I meditate, I'll visualize like how I want the day to go or like any projects that I'm working on or how I want the month to go, um, anything that's kind of like top of mind. And then I love vision board gazing. So I have my vision board on my computer, on my phone, and a printed out one. And it's not enough to just make a vision board and then forget about it. You have to actually like, like participate with the vision board. So I do that. Um, and then I try to journal, but sometimes I know that that will take me a little bit longer. And if I'm late for something or if I'm going to a workout class, then I might do my journaling after. Um, I tend to like morning movement as opposed to afternoon. So I might go to a class, go to the gym. Um, and then sometimes I'll be into like affirmation decks and tarot cards. I'll pull a card. Right now, I'm not really into it, so I'm not doing that. Um, And then I love making matcha or like any sort of tea latte. And so that's definitely like a ritual in itself. So having like a mindful matcha, as I call it, is kind of a (laughs) part of that routine as well. So those are the main activities that I rotate through. I love it. I do all, I I do every single thing on that list. I feel like it's just sets you up for a good day. I love it. Yeah, completely. Amazing. And then I just have some rapid fire questions I want to ask you before we wrap up. Um, I ask every guest at the end of these episodes. So the first one is what is your favorite fruit? Fruit? Yes. Um, Strawberries, but like figs. Figs are only in season for like a month, it seems like. So I I love them for that month. (laughs) Oh my God. Figs are my favorite fruit. That would be my answer. (laughs) What's your sun sign? Taurus. So very motherly and feminine. Yeah. And then gentle mm -hmm, and food and abundant and like it totally fits me. And then I am a Capricorn moon and Libra rising. Love it. What is one book that changed your life that you'd recommend to everyone? Well, you know, the answer to that (laughs) is your back. I was wondering Um, if you would say that or a different one. Oh yeah. No, that's always my answer. Amazing. And then what is one habit or ritual you do every day that's a non-negotiable for you? If you had to pick well, one. Obviously the journaling isn't a non-negotiable because I didn't do it this morning. <laughs> um, one habit every day that's a non-negotiable. Um, 
I would say honestly, like eating with love and intuition. Ooh, eating that's a great and answer. like yeah, like I love I do love cooking also. I know not everyone loves cooking, but like I love making my food. I love eating like mindfully. I try not to have distractions. Um, and it's just like so important to me that I'm like I will always prioritize my meals. So I would say that's something that like non-negotiable, even on the weekends, even when I'm traveling, like my food is so sacred to me. And don't you have a, I could be wrong, but you have a book with recipes in it, right? I do. So it's called um, Kale and Cravings Mm -hmm. because that was the name of my brand before I rebranded to Sloan Elizabeth. Um, And it's for students, but anyone can utilize it and Mm -hmm. benefit from it. And I wrote it while I was in college. So it has dorm room recipes that you can make without much equipment. Like all you really need is a microwave and a blender if you want to make some of like the smoothies and stuff. Um, But yeah, there's like over 20 20 dorm room recipes and then short chapters, kind of blog style on like holistic wellness practices for students. Oh my gosh. And you wrote that in college? Yeah. That's amazing. So cool. And the last question I have for you is what are your thoughts on thriving? So what do you think is the key to thriving in your opinion? So I would say the key to thriving is alignment in everything that you do, because the way that you're going to thrive is when you feel like you have the momentum, you have the wind behind your back, like things are jiving, you're in your highest vibes and whatever gets you into your highest vibes is what you should do. And whatever makes you feel alive and passionate and like thriving, that's what you should do. So I don't think there's like blanket tips. It's just like, tapping into your abundant energy, your highest vibes, your highest self in whatever way that means to you and prioritizing that. Beautiful. And it's so different for everyone, which is amazing in and of itself. It's so unique. So I love what you said about that. And I just loved this conversation so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Same. Thank you. It was so nice to meet you. Yeah. Of course. I'm sure the audience got so much goodness from this episode because I feel like it's, it is very unique, your approach. It's not every day you <laughs> combine food with spirituality, but it just works. And yeah. it sounds like you've helped so many people. And if people are interested in working with you or finding you on Instagram, could you just tell us how to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So my Instagram handle is at Sloan Elizabeth. Um, I'm trying to have fun with TikTok. So that's Sloan.Elizabeth. And then I am always open to having consultations. We can hop on a food freedom game plan session, talk one-on-one, and I'll help you really map out a game plan to get you from wherever you are to that dream of food freedom. Um, So I'm happy to share the link with you, Ava, and we can put that in the show notes if that sounds good to you. Yeah, that'd be perfect. And I highly, highly recommend like your energy is just like so radiant and amazing. And so if you guys are interested in working with Sloan, I don't think you will be disappointed. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.